the Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. You know, I've been listening to a few other podcasts and I have to say like producer Sarah, like you make us sound amazing. Ah, thank you. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Even our audio sounds better than most mostesses, podcastesses. Yeah, it, it really does. I feel like it sounds nice and clean. Like sometimes my S's bother me and I think it's just like too much self-awareness, maybe even borderline narcissism. Narcissism. Maybe you just have a weird tooth. <laughs> or 36 of them. <laughs> Do you have an extra tooth? You know what I mean? Like does one stick out a little bit so that one you say a little certainly bit? Certainly do. Sticks out a little bit. They're all fake. They're all crowns. Like every tooth in my mouth is a crown. I, my mouth is worth about $40,000. <laughs> and that's before you kiss it. I just watched a show on uh, dis, uh, d- ID Discovery. Was that what it's called? Oh, just ID. It's on the Discovery. Whatever. God, I sound like my mother. Um, anyway, <laughs> I was watching a murder show and uh, two of these teenagers snuck in and... Um, and stole the teeth from a grave. Oh, oh my why? gosh. And I literally thought, why would you want someone's teeth that much? But now I know. <laughs> why? Because you can melt that shit down, apparently. She said her teeth, has, uh, her mouth is worth more than my... But where would you take that? Like, okay, you've unearthed the body. You've pulling... <laughs> pulling? You, you have pulling every expensive tooth out. And you've melted it down. Now what do you do? And who do you call? I think you go to a pawn shop or like advanced financial or like 24 <laughs> And you just advanced. walk in with like a jar of like melted down. It's not crowns. melted. I think they melt it for. It's like a pawn shop for teeth. Where mm-hmm. it, does that exist? Probably Vegas. No offense to your home state. Huh. But I'm yeah. guessing Vegas. Yeah, I don't associate myself with Vegas. I lived up north. Well, I don't know that Reno's better. I didn't live in Reno. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with Reno, y'all. Ain't nothing wrong with Reno. Hey, Moose. Hey, Kat. How are you? Good. I just was complimenting you on your glasses, and apparently there's a story. Well, <laughs> there is definitely a story. So producer Sarah called me into question this week as well um, when I brought this up, and, and I had to explain it to her. It's very complicated. I I have had um, seven different eye surgeries um, because of complications with my juvenile diabetes. So one of my eye surgeries back when I was in college, um, they basically took all of the fluid out of the back of my eye so like behind your eyeball before your retina there's this like um, clear gel that lives in there Um, and they had to take all of that out and basically put a helium bubble in there and I had to hold my head where the back of my head was parallel to the ceiling for 31 days so it was really a very bizarre um, surgery and a very bizarre experience I had to drink and eat like out of a straw and my mom and my sister were just an amazing support during that time time. And, um, and I remember this guy from our church at the time, he would bring over his massage table and let me sleep on it at night because it's got that nice headrest that, you know, when you're laying face down for for a massage. So, um, even back then I, I had a thing with massage therapy, I guess, but, um, with my eye surgeries, I can't get a pair of glasses for under like 400 bucks. So it's like, I've got prisms and I've got super 
thick, like, like Coke bottle type lenses and stuff like that. And so, um, anyway, glasses are not cheap for me and I have about 17 pair of them all with varying prescriptions and I keep them as backups because part of my issue with my vision is that if I'm not wearing glasses, I see two of everything. I'm like vertically cross-eyed. So I always joke and say the best holidays in the world for me are Christmas and the 4th of July because I can just not wear my glasses and I see twice as many lights, twice as many fireworks, or if I'm looking at a really handsome guy, really beautiful person, I can take my glasses off and see two of them. Hey, that's kind of a, you know, kind of a plus. So, um, so anyway, I have varying prescriptions over the years where my vision has just with age gotten worse and worse and worse and they all have prisms. Anyway, I only have one one well no I have two pair three pair that are my current prescription and I went to bed the other night with my glasses on and (laughs) I woke up the next morning and I had my glasses had come off of my face and I had apparently rolled around on my glasses like like a you know what's that stick in those bowls where you like uh, crush herbs you know what I'm talking about oh yeah it's like a I was going to say muddling, but that's not what it is. Well, kind of like muddling. It's like I had muddled my glasses pretty much. And so I boiled water and tried to reshape them and all that kind of stuff. And it just didn't work. So I'm wearing one of my backup pair. Well, I don't know why your caption says cat with the bad glasses, because I think they look great. Oh, thank you. I will wear them for you in person today. How's that? I wish you would. I will. By the way, if you're a Patreon and you think I've just lost my mind, I'm over here wearing a tank top because we are all going swimming. That's right. We are going swimming this afternoon. You think we're, can, well, there's a lot of things I want to talk about in regards to swimming, but, uh, it reminds me of last summer's, um, I keep wanting to say crotch rocket. What was that thing called? (laughs) The Sheena's? No, the thing we rode on the lake and almost killed everybody. Oh, the trauma couch. The trauma couch. That's different from a crotch rocket. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it sounds a little different. Yeah, (laughs) or maybe the same. (laughs) I got to tell you what we did. And you I know you've done this before, too. But I decided yesterday that I needed a pool in my backyard. Okay, tell me, is it going to finally happen? Oh, well, that may happen. But as for now... For for me and those who serve the Lord, uh, Target <laughs> sells a $65 blow-up pool. What? And let me tell you, if my ass didn't buy that thing, and thank God that I have two friends who knew how to put the hoses on, because I <laughs> don't understand anything that has to do with anything related to engineering. But I we put that thing together, and oh my God, I just sat in this giant, I mean, it's just a blow-up pool. That's wonderful. Does it have a filtration system and everything? It does. Like, who that knew? That is so cool. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to keep that thing up year round. But until I get my dream pool, which who can afford right now? Which I saw also that you're not supposed to be buying pools. Like, I guess they're just backed up for like four years. Yeah, it's like anything that has to do with leisure, I think, is on back order because of COVID. Like, I think everybody during COVID was like, okay, we've got to order and or do all the things. So boating, swimming pools, stuff like that. Um, I think because of, you know, people not working during COVID, especially in large factory settings, um, a lot of that stuff is on back order. So it's really, really 
really high high priced right now. I have to remind you of. Um, do you remember when I lived in my old house? Um, <laughs> I got one of those uh, quote unquote above ground pools that you put together yourself. I got it from Big Lots. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I was telling Sarah about it, um, and she was like, "Oh." Th- she got one of these and I was like, no, 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 no. Like you got the primo of the, you can still buy it, buy it as a consumer, you know, but it had uh-huh. like a ladder and the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah. It had a ladder. It had a filtration system. Like it was pretty awesome. And you know, our mutual friend, Nina, who is also a listener. I remember she came over to my house one night that summer and I had not let her know that I had purchased this really lovely trailer park looking piece of, uh, l- leisure furniture from my backyard. And Nina is one of our friends who is like super put together. Like she's very like, appropriate she's a classic three on the Enneagram she's just a badass and so anyway she comes over to my house one night and we go out on the deck and we're like sipping wine and talking and she goes oh what is that (laughs) (laughs) and it was the first time that I realized I was like I am officially a redneck (laughs) like like 100% I don't, I don't agree with that because there's two kinds of friends. The one who says, as they're stirring their glass of wine, and I love you, Nina, but there's just two types of friends. There's you. And then there's me that is tearing (laughs) off my clothes as I run towards it as if you have bought me the ultimate Christmas present and I'm already moving in. And I am so grateful for both kinds of friends. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do this thing, um... Me and you and our friend Heidi, when we would swim in that thing, I think it was only one summer, right? Because mm-hmm. it was right before you bought the house that has a pool. Mm-hmm. And we would get in there and we would do these, what we called assisted dives. <laughs> and it, it was basically us helping one another because of um, maybe our non-flexibility slash gymnast <laughs> um, talent that um, we would help each other do a dive from within the actual pool. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And that I remember that being so much fun. And I remember us laughing so hard that we could barely breathe. And I remember um, our friend, family member, Abby, um, was living in Nashville that summer. And she is the one who named that swimming pool the Southern Oasis. The Southern Oasis. Uh She's like, can I come over and hang out at the Southern Oasis? And so for the time being, I don't know if I'm going to keep it, but for the time being, my massage studio, I'm calling it the Southern Oasis for right now. (laughs) Oh, I freaking love that. What do you mean you're not sure if you're going to keep it? Well, I just I'm about to go through business and marketing class at school. um, And I just know that part of that is going to be like kind of the deep dive of like, what is my mission statement as a licensed massage therapist? And, you know, what is the name of my quote unquote company and stuff like that? And and I'm just I'm trying to go into it open. I'm not saying that I'm not walking in there going, damn it, my name is Southern Oasis, because like, I I just, you know, I'm not 100% sure. And Abby has named like six of my companies. So chances are, it's going to stick. Oh, that's funny. I thought you meant you weren't sure if you were going to keep the massage room. Mm. Oh, no, I'm definitely keeping that. And I was going to tell you probably in business and marketing, they'll tell you it's not 
appropriate for you to have your massage room as part of your room as well. <laughs> um, so you might want to go ahead and change that. You up. don't think I should go, would you like to come have a massage in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be weird at all. <laughs> that would bring a whole other meaning to Southern Oasis. It would indeed. So are you ready for the full body unwinding? Because I got another message from our listeners, Terry and Andrea saying, did Moose do the full body unwinding? And I said, no, she had to go on a trip with her sister and I have classmates, uh, Maisie, Michelle, Brooke, Cedric. Um, I think producer Sarah would participate. And I think we could probably even get Amanda to fly in from Mexico to do a moose full body unwinding. Are you going to do it? Oh, I'll totally do it. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. You tell me when we'll do a practice session this afternoon in the pool. How's that? Oh, that's great. Really? Can we? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, okay. So I have a really important question for you. Okay. Do you like Subway or are you one of those people that think Subway is like the trashy sub place? Um, I hate Subway. Yeah. Like most people do. I I don't, I don't hate it. It's not going to be my first choice, but if I'm stranded and it's like Subway or gas station food, like I would probably Mm. eat it, you know, like I'll get over it and do it. But did you see this report that says that there's no tuna in their tuna sub? Wait, what? (laughs) What's in there? Is it like tofu? No, I'm afraid it's not. But so here's what it says. Subway is facing a class action lawsuit alleging there's no tuna in their sandwiches chain, (laughs) tuna sandwiches and wraps. Julia Carmel, a reporter at the New York Times, sent 60 inches of frozen Subway tuna sandwich from separate locations to a lab. Oh, my God. The lab's test found no tuna DNA (laughs) in the sandwiches. The lab told the newspaper that either the tuna is extremely processed or the restaurant uses a product made to imitate real tuna. Well, I want to know what the product made to imitate real tuna is. I do too. Like, is that, does it have like the little non GMO sticker? I don't think so. I don't know, but that's freaking weird. I just wanted to share that. Okay. So a friend of ours brought up for me (laughs) this week, she was telling me, and this is a real story. Like, you're not going to believe that this is a real story. And it is, you know, how you've talked about your, um, fascination with and or disdain of garbage disposals. Oh yes. They're awful. So she was telling me that a certain friend of hers um, built and maintained a koi pond. And so this friend had several koi fish and introduced a goldfish, a goldfish that's like a foot long, like a big giant goldfish into the koi pond. And apparently um, the koi fish attacked the goldfish like piranhas like just really like we're not happy with that this goldfish. is awful oh i know it's terrible it's absolutely terrible i hope no children are listening oliver and drew and Caden. um so anyway so this goldfish is you know basically being eaten alive by these uh koi fish in this pond and so the owner without his wife's knowledge, took the goldfish out of the pond and put it in the garbage disposal and turned the garbage disposal on to dispose of the injured fish. Who are your friends? (laughs) I know. 
Oh my god! Believe... Like I seriously feel like we need to call the police. I do, do too. You, do I... you have their address? Well, no. The, the, these people actually aren't my friends. It's a friend telling me about friends of hers. So at least it's like two, two, two or three degrees removed. But yeah, apparently it was like, hey, instead of you know, it, it's like, why not at least like hit the thing on the head and kill it first? You know. That's the kind of stuff you hear about like serial killers doing before they right. start killing. So we need to we need to put a little flag on this person's house. Like just maybe a sign <laughs> in their yard might be a serial killer. It might be a serial killer. Only two degrees from cat and moose. <laughs> oh no, you. You, not me. I'm three degrees. Okay. I had a couple friends that listened to the podcast say that the reason they don't think to comment or text in is because they aren't commenters or texter inners. And I'm like, that's not good enough because mm. it's my opinion that if you are engaged enough and you're listening every single week that you've got something to say, we want to know what the hell you laughed at any of that. So my friend Ruthie said, you need to tell everyone stop right now what you're doing. If you're driving, pull over. Okay. <laughs> and we want you to pull out your phone and type in this number and send us a text. So open your messages if you're on Android, I don't know what you do. Type in some sort of code. <laughs> Who knows? Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> All right. So get out your phone and text 1-866-528-6665. That's 1-866-528-6665. That is our phone number. You can call us. Don't worry, we don't answer. Leave a message. Or you can text us and we'll get it immediately. But we would love for you to save that number in your phone. So when you're listening, you can just pull up Cat and Moose Hotline and send us a text. And you can send us a text about anything. And you can you can text us about things you want to talk to us about. You can text us and tell us how ridiculous we are. You can text us and tell us, you know, hey, you guys are talking too much about this or that. Um, really anything you want to. We love hearing from you. And I think one of the things that's really fun and it lets me know that our friends and listeners out there are are texters and responders is we get a lot of personal texts and, yeah. and, and I think that that's also really cool and thank you for each of you that do that as well it's so it's so nice to know that you're out there listening and the fact that you're sticking around man that really means a ton no kidding okay so sometimes I have a really hard time <clears throat> looking at Instagram you know, like everyone's trying to be super cool. I have a hard time logging into it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time looking at it as well. I don't know how to do it. Oh my God. But I just like, I am just, I, I sort of took Facebook off of my phone completely. So I haven't been on Facebook. Um, the only thing I do is for cat and moose. And that's not a lot to be honest, but it's funny. Like I'm like, okay, with us, what you see is what you get, right? Like, in every way, I don't feel like we are trying to be cool. Are we? Mm -mm. Like, I don't even have that in me anymore. Like the, I want to look cool, Jean. Uh -huh. Like, I don't want to look fat. That is something I still <laughs> do have. <laughs> and it's so weird when the camera takes a photo. I'm like, you dirty bitch. <laughs> um, but I keep finding myself like longing for reality. You know? Mm. Like, I don't really want you to think I'm cool. I don't really... I don't want the pressure of having to be cool. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to some podcasts this weekend and, and I'm not just shitting on other people, but it, I just felt like everyone is trying so hard to 
come across as an expert or come across Mm. as, you know, wanting that big, like, whoa, that blew my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just made me think about the people who have influenced me and us, I think together, Mm -hmm. you know, the Brene Browns and the Glennon Doyles and the, you know, on your side of things so much around like Chinese ancient healing and, you know, just like people that are just practical. Yeah. And it, it just made me go like, I am getting so freaking sick of social media and I cannot imagine these kids and teenagers who grow up with it where it's like, it's a part of your life or you don't exist. It feels like. Right. Right. It, at least I was talking to one of my instructors, Steve, about this the other day. And um, and we had a really what I felt like was a really intelligent convert. Well, intelligent because he was the one talking. <laughs> um, we, we were having a conversation about this. And he said, you know, he said, there's something about in this kind of like, and I don't know if we still call it the information age, but where so much is available out there, like you can Google anything. And he said, you know, he said, there there is this kind of unsaid yet expected pressure to know everything about everything. Yeah. And it's like, because you can go watch a YouTube video about how to put together a $65 blow up pool from target, you should be a pool expert, you know? And it's like, actually that's not true. It's like, if you look at, you know, before technology was as advanced as it is now, it's like people were really good at maybe one or two things. It's like, what I do is I'm a farmer and I know how to farm my crops and I know how to feed myself and my family and that's it, you know? And it's like, now it's like, well, I have to be a woodworker, a massage therapist, an artist manager, a podcast expert, a social media expert. I need to know how to operate my email, my Facebook, my Instagram, you know, it's like all these things that feel like expectations. And that's a lot of pressure for us to to put on ourselves and to have put on us. How do we, you know, to use a term from earlier, how do we unwind from that? I don't know. But it's so interesting because, you know, as much as it can get so overwhelming and so fake, like for businesses and brands, it it is clearly essential in right. most ways, you know. And right. so I was funny. I was talking to an artist last week and he said to me, like, you know, I you can create a content calendar all day for me, not talking about me, but in general, there was somebody kind of criticizing uh, his digital strategy. And, you know, he's like, you can do that all day, but if it's not authentic, eventually my fans are going to know. Right. And, and I'm like, dude, I know, like I could, I could list, you know, on both hands, a list of artists or brands or whatever that I follow that I'm like, oh man, I think you just did that because it was another day of content that you had to put on there in order to feed the algorithm. I was just going to say, you're feeding the necessary monster that is the algorithm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I recognize that maybe it's a necessity, but even on our cat and moose Instagram, you know, I tell you all the time, I'm like, I don't want to just go in my office and create random content that could possibly, Mm -hmm. you know, impact someone if Mm -hmm. it's not like what's a reality in my life right now. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be sharing the stuff that we are actually going through right Mm -hmm. now. And I feel like ultimately the best way to do that is to save that weekly for what we talk about here 
because it just, I don't know. It just feels more timely than just creating a bunch of garbage and throwing mm-hmm. it up online. I agree. It's like talking about things like, you know, the finger with the <laughs> right, ring the on finger. it that you that sent me. That was one of our most liked posts. I, so mean, I, it, I mean, there you go. In the time that I bought you the eight foot snowman for your office, you know, it's like that's real life. Like that's real life stuff, which, by the way, um, my body mind therapist the other day um, in a sentence, she was like, you know, in this instance, you have the ability to be your own snowman and da 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 And she kept talking. And I loved how beautifully that just like rattled off of her tongue. It's like she knows my language. And I exactly. thought that was really cool. Well, it's funny. I have people that I every time they say it, use that. I mean, I think it's one of the most that and shag nasty and wakey wakey <laughs> which are all yours by the way so cheers to you for freaking i mean we need to be like um we need to write jingles because some of the <laughs> shit that comes out of your mouth deserves to be branded well thank you for that moose i appreciate it a ton it it comes from my response to your uh beckoning <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, we have created an easy way for you to support the Cat and Moose podcast. You can go to our website, catandmoosepodcast.com, click support us and check out our affiliate links. We've got all kinds of affiliates starting with Amazon, Instacart, Ollie, All Bird Shoes, Dinner Dates, BarkBox, Gravity, Audible, Skillshare, Embark Dog DNA Testing. So if you're going to check out some great shoes from All Birds or some dog food through Ollie, or get a bark box or listen to a book on audible get a gravity blanket shop on instacart you get the idea right give your dog a dna test through embark or turn time into inspiration with skillshare if you want to do any of that go ahead and help out our podcast in the meantime and do those things through our affiliate links go to catandmoosepodcast.com and click on support us thanks Okay, so I have a, I do have a truly big question. And it's not about Subway tuna. Okay. All right. So if I were to ask you, which guess what? That's about to happen. <laughs> oh no, I'm so nervous. The question, I, I want to give you a full 30 seconds to answer it. So um, let me start my timer here. Okay, I'm old. There it is. There she is. Stopwatch. <laughs> and we're going to time. I'm getting out my post it note and my big blue pen at my desk. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel pressure. Okay. And the 30 seconds starts as soon as I ask this question. Now, do I get to pick my own theme song? Absolutely. Sarah, give her what she wants. Okay. I want it to be uh, Charlie XCX Boom Clap. Boom, 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 clap. Great. Okay, here we go. And I would love Sarah for you to also answer this when she's done. So you actually get a minute. Um, why are we here? Our existence. Why are we here? And the clock starts now. Tell me in seven more seconds why we're. Ooh. 
the alarm has gone off, and I would love for you to share, Kat. Okay. <laughs> this is a hard one for me. <laughs> um, what, I, what I drew on my piece of paper, shocker, Addie, my sister, um, what I drew on my piece of paper was the yin-yang symbol. Mm. Um, change changes. Nature evolves. There is a cycle of life and death. And why exactly that is, I don't know. And that wasn't your question. The question was, why do we exist? And I think that however and by whomever our existence has been created enjoys us experiencing the beauty of the evolution of nature. I, I think that the divine is absolutely delighted in us enjoying, wow, I plant a seed and it grows into a plant that bears fruit that then I eat and then it tastes good and then it nourishes my body and then I go poop and we do it all over again. Like, I, <laughs> I think, I think that, you know, if you look back into like kind of, you know, Taoist philosophy and look even at the meridians of the body and the order in which they cycle through the 24 hour, um, you know, time cycle or whatever. It's like, I, I really think that like, it, it's kind of like goodness begets goodness, like nature begets nature. I really think it, it's because the divine wants us to be able to experience the absolute un like un the why the word that I'm looking unbridled for. unbridled unbridled that's not the word I was looking for <laughs> Sarah what's the word unacceptable I was going to say unconscionable and that's definitely not the word I'm looking for underwear the unexplainable, ununderstandable beauty that is um, all of creation. I, I think that that the divine is delighted in our experience of that and not just our experience of that, but in our procreation of that, because we make art, we make beauty, we make music, we do things that are just absolutely a, a, amazing that human beings can do. So that that's why I think we're here. That is so cool. I kept picturing, um, or the phrase that was coming up as I was listening to you was an echo of an echo. Mm. Mm. Oh, so good. Yeah. Like so good. This happens and this happens. And then, you know, we perpetuate that. Is perpetuate a bad phrase? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. Now, Moose, are you going to answer this question? Cause you've posed it to me and to producer Sarah. Are we going to get to hear your Yes. Your response? I have had days to think about this, so mine <laughs> will be fair. much better than your guys' answer. I'm just <laughs> kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Producer Sarah? Sarah, why are we here? Well, okay, so I I do not know the answer, nor do I claim to have the answer to this question. I think Kat's answer was amazing, and I feel like I feel very honored to get to experience all of those things she described but I don't know why I get to do that. And the question I've always had in my head is similar is why am I me? Mm. Like I've always wondered that and I don't have the answer, which is okay. I just enjoy being me and existing in this world of beauty and creativity and all of the things that, you know, Kat just explained. Um, I think it's like the age old question, you know, that, 
I think everyone has their own version or some answer to. I just, I don't know what mine is. So I'm just existing in it happily. I like that though. I I like that too. And Sarah, I'm glad that you get to be you. Like Mm -hmm. you are uniquely you and uniquely wonderful and uniquely gifted and talented. Like I'm so grateful for you getting to be you. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. All right, Moose. What you got? So I presented my own self with, I'm in a, uh, you guys, I do these deep dives, you know this, but our listeners where I'm like, I bathe in like self-help books and I'm, I'm there right now. (laughs) Not literally. Don't worry. My bathtub that I'm bathtub, my bathtub (laughs) um, that I love so much that I can spread my legs out in. I don't. I was just going to say the the one in which you can spread your legs. It's the best. All right, so why are we here? Here was my answer, and I love that there's different answers to this. So I would love for our listeners to uh, text what theirs is. Um, I think this changes throughout our lives or evolves, you know, but um, I asked myself this the other day, and I was kind of just writing in my phone, in my notes uh, app, and I wrote, um, I think we're here to reconcile with our true selves. Hmm. Mm. Wow. And what does that mean to reconcile with our true selves? I think it means like coming home to all the thing. Like, it's funny that um, I think both of your guys' answers feed into this. Uh, I think it's like coming home to, you know, I would say the divine is like that crystal in the middle of my chest. Mm. You know, like we think the divine is something greater than us. But I think the divine is something greater in us. Hmm. And so for me, I like it. It's the constant shedding of what I think everybody else cares about Hmm. so that I can get to that inner piece of what it is I care about. Mm -hmm. It reminds me. And and I think that nature, um, nature emulates or depicts that in in so many beautiful ways it reminds me of the snake uh shedding its skin or of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly yeah or, or the acorn turning into a tree the acorn the acorn sorry i'm a redneck remember southern oasis <laughs> <laughs> acorn the acorn I, that acorn you're we having a good moment that, that acorn I had to stop on acorn <laughs> that, that acorn got planted then came a squalor and up sprung a tree <laughs> <laughs> i want to add something i didn't know an acorn grew a tree just so you know <laughs> really no i missed that class oh it's the seed okay what is your question well this whole conversation reminds me of that I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's that, I think it's Rilke. Rilke, is that how you say it? Oh, uh, Rilke. Yeah, I don't remember how they pronounce it. Rilke. Rilke. Yeah, I think it's Rilke, something like that. Anyway, and we all know this, uh, uh, his famous quote, live the questions. Oh, Mm. yeah. You know? And I mean, the the quick, let me see. Do you want the long version or the quick one? Okay. He says, I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you uh, because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without even noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Yeah. 
I mean, punch me in the. Oh my god! Wow, unnecessary. I mean, but but the whole point of that is just like we don't need the answer right now. Like we're just yeah. living in those questions, and mm-hmm. and that can be okay. I think so often we we race through life going like, ah, what's the end? What's the end goal? What's the answer? What's the you know finality of whatever situation it is? And it's like. I don't know. I think taking your time and going through it, like you're experiencing the journey and, ex- it, uh, you know, you're experiencing just so much more. It really is. And, and one of the things that, you know, I think I've said this quite a few times before is that nobody actually really knows the answer to this question, Moose. Right. Yeah. Well, sure. and maybe there's multiple answers. Right. Was, yeah. As right. she was reading that, I was like, maybe we this goes back into non-dualistic thinking, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. like, okay, we think there is an answer. And then if it's not that, then it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But maybe there are many answers. Right. And that, that thinking that there is an answer and we know what it is and that anything other than that is wrong is what um, I think leads us into being judgmental. It's what I think divides nations. It divides churches. It divides religious beliefs. You know, it's that is that somebody or a group of people think that they they have the answer, you know, and it's like that's the difference between like our beliefs and what is actually finite reality, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like I think that if we can say, hey, my truth is this, my belief is this. And if yours is not that, I don't need to change you or hold judgment um, against your truth and your reality. Let's just try to coexist together. And I, I feel like there's a, a large group of people who go, yeah, man, like that's, that's a good concept. And then there's an equally large group of people who go, no, that's not okay. It is finite and, and it needs to be my way or the highway. And that, 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 you know, I think that's one of the struggles of being a human. Yeah. Another struggle for me is not instigating those people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yesterday I had to give Sarah a ride up to a a show. One of our bands was playing and, um, oh my gosh, I was sitting in the driveway, had both of the dogs in the car and it was just like a peaceful, you know, I'm just listening to my Martha Beck book and all of a sudden here, like, and I was like, oh my God, I can tell this is either, it's one of those trucks that has the plastic balls hanging off the back. <laughs> it's not, but I look up and it's this like dually jacked up truck and it has four Trump flags like positioned in the back of it. And so it's funny. I didn't immediately have hate. It was more intrigue and, oh, here comes the game that I'm getting ready to play. And, (laughs) you know, that's my problem is I think, oh, we're participating in a game sometimes. And this guy, I watched him out of curiosity. I was like, okay, wait a minute. What do those flags say? And, And one of them said Trump 2024. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he was running, but cool. And then the other one said, um, you know, just something else, Trump. And so he was just riding around the park, like just hitting his gas and squealing just so people would turn and look at him. And um, so, you know me, I there are times where I just don't know how to keep things to myself. <laughs> so as he came back towards me, I rolled down the window and I raised my arm <laughs> and enough to make it look like I was saying hello. And so he rolled his window down 
And I said, oh, is he running again? And he goes, uh, what? And I was like, yeah, I can't hardly hear you either because of your truck, but is he <laughs> running again? And he said, who? And I said, well, what the hell do your flags say? And he said, oh, yeah. And he won last time. And I go, woohoo! And I shook my arm at him and he woohooed back at me like a small <laughs> child. And of course, I don't like Trump. But the whole point being like, what in the hell? Like, I want to know. This was at like 1030 in the morning. I want to know what happens that morning when you wake up and you decide that you're going to be the dumbass redneck driving around a park down the street with Trump flags hanging off the back of your truck. Like, are you eating there? Are you sitting there eating breakfast that your wife made for you? And you're like, you know what, honey? I was going to fix that toilet, but I feel the Lord calling me. To do some evangelism for that, for, for our man. You know, like what happens to go like, I'm going to stick those in the back of my trunk and like I'm 15 again, just drive down the strip so people mm-hmm. can see me. Mm-hmm. And and here's here. And I, I say this whenever we talk about, you know, potentially controversial subjects, like I want to talk to that guy. And I want to know, like, tell me the answer to that question, not because I want to judge you for it, because I genuinely don't understand, like, and I I try to be really, like, flexible and open and um, what's the word, seems like it starts with a T, tolerant of, like, kind of a little bit of anything and everything, you know, it's like, hey, you do you, boo, like, that's, that's great. For sure. There are some things, though, like that, and it's not my question is not why are you a Trump supporter? I understand, you know, the values that you believe in. Like I, I can I can intellectually understand that I don't agree with it. I can understand it. Um, but the question then does beg like, OK, at 1030 in the morning with a very loud truck that is clearly polluting the environment, not only by noise, but also by, you know, your your tail pipe fumes like like what causes you to want to go out there and do that i would love to know i don't think they're worried about the planet you know but yeah i i hear you and you know to be honest like it was a moment for me where i just like actually connected with somebody and i wasn't an asshole i was a little bit instigator but i you know i was just talking to him and Mm -hmm. And I had a moment where I was just like, you're, you're just human too. Like Mm -hmm. we're, you know, like you're, you're not the enemy necessarily, but also like what in the world? Like we don't even have an election for three years and (laughs) you know, like it's not the night before the vote. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And and I've heard a lot of people say that they believe that Trump is going to reinstate himself as president in August of this year. It's not going to even wait until 2024. Yeah, that's called QAnon. (laughs) And I'm sorry to let you know, but you're a cult. Okay. 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 Well, if we're talking about cults and superstitions and things like that, I have to tell you about this funny thing that happened yesterday. So um, I got together with a handful of my um, 
practitioner and student friends and got to practice one of the modalities that I'm really passionate about called Jin Shindo. And Jin Shindo is body, mind, acupressure, and it's really cool and I really love it. And it has been a big part of my therapeutic journey. And so I was talking with kind of like the main dude um, in the Nashville or even I would say the southeastern United States, who is like one of very few Jin Shindo instructors in the country. And um, he and I were getting to talk yesterday and I was describing to him how my talk therapist had asked me, like when I said, I don't want my life to look post covid like it looked pre-COVID. Like I want things to look different because there were a lot of things that I was doing pre-COVID that now that I've been through the pandemic, I can look back and go, those things were unnecessary. And as you might remember, my talk therapist has said, how are you going to a, make that differentiation. Like, how are you going to identify that? And B, like, how are you going to adhere to it? And my first answer to her was, well, gosh, I'm discerning. Like, I'm going to just be able to discern and say no to certain things. And she was like, and she didn't say it this way, but the way I heard it was, yeah, that's not going to fly. Like, that's going to last for five minutes. Um, she said, she said, yeah, you might need something a little bit more, um, substantial than that. And so um, she recommended that I come up with kind of like a list of questions to ask myself when I'm making decisions about doing things. And one of my questions is to reach out to you, Moose, and go, hey, I've got this opportunity. Is it something that that I need to be doing or don't need to be doing? Because you're one of the people in my life who has said that you would help me discern those things. And you've been so helpful in it. So anyway, so I'm having this what I feel like is a really in-depth conversation with this person. And, and I'm explaining to him like my five question protocol. And one of my questions is, how does my body feel when I think about doing the thing? Do I actually want to do the thing? You know, and, and, and here go my questions, blah, blah, blah. And he said it was so funny because like I'm thinking of this person is like this like Zen guru person. That's how I've experienced him in a lot of ways. And he said, you know, he said, that's a really, really good, good exercise that, you know, that you've implemented into your process. And he said, you could also just get an eight ball. (laughs) I used to freaking love those eight balls when I was a teenager. <laughs> Me too. And so mine is coming in the mail from Amazon Prime tomorrow. <laughs> I think that so is now. such I mean, you know what is so funny? I remember and I can't remember the exact scenario, but I remember in Eat Pray Love when she's in India and she's asking her guru a very important question, you know, that was like mm-hmm. life-changing for her. And he mm-hmm. came back with humor. And I think that's so <laughs> freaking important because mm-hmm. maybe we are just overly exercising, you know, when ultimately like in this Martha Beck book I'm reading, you know, she, the question she keeps asking is, do you feel free? Mm. Hmm. Man. Right. Like, like maybe, maybe what you say, you know, like how does my body feel and all those things? Like, and, and she talks about like, notice you're not asking your mind this question. You're Mm. asking your body because Mm you know, she goes through this whole thing of that. Your mind kind of just repeats old beliefs. Like my way of putting it would be like your mind repeats the shoulds of like, well, you should do this. And like, I think that's where we get caught up is in the shoulds. Like, Oh, I probably need to be doing this. Right. And I I think that that's such a sad place to live. And, and we've lived there for so long. And I said, I'm saying we like as anybody listening, like we've all gone through times in our lives where we've done things because we think we should. 
Yeah. We've done things because we felt like it is our, our duty or, you know, our job or we've been guilted into it. And it's like, okay, that doesn't mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater and to not be a responsible human. Like you can still be a responsible human. Like if you're in a partnership, it is accurate that you should do probably somewhere around 50% of the household chores. I don't know about that. <laughs> like taking out the trash or walking the dogs or, or whatever it is, you know, and I, I do, I do think that there are a handful of shoulds that just keep relationship in, in a very healthy homeostasis. But um, to go like, well, I should go to this thing because, you know, so-and-so expects me to, it's like, well, that's not necessarily a good reason. Right. It's so interesting. Um, You know, one of the things Martha, good old Martha, Aunt Martha, let's call Martha back Aunt Martha. Okay. You guys, I'm reading The Way of Integrity, if you haven't heard me talk about this. And when I say reading, I'm listening, um, <laughs> just to be completely honest. Um, but one of the things she talks about, that whole book is the taglines, finding the path to your true self. And and like she she asked the question, um she wants you to fill in the blank when she says, um, I am meant to fill in the blank. So like for me, I wrote down, I meant to write a book, like mm -hmm. something you've always like longed for or something. And it could be mm -hmm. as simple as I'm meant to be in a relation, a healthy relationship. It can mm -hmm. be anything. Um, and she says the same thing, cat, like scan your body and then notice, you know, mm -hmm. like, do you feel anxiety in your body? And that's another big piece. I keep reminding myself Anxiety is there as a flag to say something is wrong here, mm -hmm. whether it's an unsafe relationship or an area that is uncomfortable for you. Like it's meant to tell you something. And then she talks about turning your attention to your emotions. What emotions are arising? Write them down. And then do you feel free? And I think mm. that that's the question that keeps uh, landing in my mind when I'm making even those small decisions of like, does this make me feel free? And if it's a hell no, <laughs> you know, in some cases that means like traveling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. no, I don't, I don't feel the need that I have to be the one on the ground there. That doesn't mm -hmm. feel free to me. Great. Find someone else who can. Well, and one of my questions um, in my, you know, five step protocol or whatever is, can it be satisfactorily delegated? Yeah, exactly. That's great. And I That's and great. I really love that. It, it, it's 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 everything from like, you know, can I send an employee to an event versus do I need to go to an event? And sometimes I do need to go. Like sometimes it's very yeah. important that I'm there. Sometimes it's like, oh, that'd be really nice if Kat was here, but it's not vital. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as going like, is it worth my is it worth the, is it the best use of my time that I clean my house or do I hire that out? Yeah. You know, it's like, is there something that can be delegated or paid for that, um, that helps me, you know, maintain that, you know, how do I feel free? One of the things I learned in one of my classes recently is that in, um, in armoring, like you're familiar with armoring, right? And uh, so, well, no, tell us, cause I think I am, but I want to be sure. So armoring is basically like, like you build up, um, if you kind of think of it like shields, almost like shields of armor, um, because of certain things that you suspect are going to hurt you. Oh, I'm great at armoring. Is that good yeah. to be good? 
No, it's not good to be good at armor. <laughs> well, it's not that it's it's not that it's good or bad. It is a form of protection. Like like it, it, at our core, we want to survive. Like we don't want to die. So it is not bad to want to protect ourselves from dying. Um, so as as children, as we experience life and we experience trauma and we experience, you know, whether it's neglect or abuse or you know whatever it is, um, we learn how to protect ourselves from feeling those things. And so oftentimes like the body in and of itself is very armored physically in that like, Oh, my shoulders are tied or my chest is tied or whatever it is. And a lot of the bodywork stuff that I'm learning about is, is, is geared toward um, loosening up and maybe even allowing that armoring to kind of start to break up and, and to become a little bit more malleable and maybe receive nurturing. So that that's kind of the whole idea in the whole process of armoring. The goal is to get to what is called the free child. Mm. Well, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. She, right. She has a bandana around her head, a piece of straw in her <laughs> mouth and she don't give two dams. Cause that girl is free. That's right. That's right. And I think that, that my free child, I think is, is, has become <laughs> very, very toxic as a person. It's, it's my character Tex. Oh, you yeah. know? Yeah. Tex is totally your free child. Yeah. Why, why is he toxic? I don't feel that. Oh, he has guns with bullets in them and he's wearing a diaper full of shit and piss and he's got a rat tail for goodness sake and he's got tattoos like and not that tattoos are bad. Tattoos are amazing. But like Tex has also learned how to survive. And so my free child Tex needs to learn how to be a free child without shooting people with his 357 revolvers. I would dare to say that Tex is still armored. Meaning, I think your free child is one 100. layer deeper, but I think Tex mm-hmm. might be as close as that sensitive <laughs> child as yeah. and wild as you get, but like yes. he might be the last armor. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I, and I fully embrace that. And that's why I'm doing the work. Like, yeah. that's why I'm going like, okay, like, I, I know, just like Kathy, and just like the Red Phoenix, and just like Morgan Freeman, and the Spirit Man, and all my different characters, it's like, they are evolving, like they yeah. are evolving. And I think that Tex is the, the ultimate culmination of that work. Okay, so speaking of old Tex, I, I read this, um, this post on Instagram, even though I said I hated Instagram, here was one positive on Instagram this week. Um, Sleeping at last, he's the guy that. Um, oh yeah. That does. Uh, what does he do? He does music that has to do with the enneagram. I know, but what is the name of his podcast? Oh, I don't know the podcast. Anyway, if you don't know him, go check him out because he writes insane music and he's got a song for every enneagram type. Um. It is just called sleeping at last. Yeah. Look up his podcast. It's so good. Um, okay. So he posted something that I thought was so special. It's what we're talking about. Um, and he said out of the blue, my daughter, Lily, six years old, asked my wife and I, this question, what does it feel like to be you? Mm. And it kind of blew us away. She wasn't asking, how are you? She was genuinely curious about how it feels to be us, our experiences of who we are as a whole Obviously, I'm her dad and think the absolute universe of her, but I think it's one of the most loving, curious, and empathetic questions I can imagine anyone asking another person. So, Sarah, to your point, can you come back on here with this? Like you said, like you're curious why you get to be you, which I think is such a sweet comment, but I would love 
for all of us to answer this question. What does it feel like to be you? In what context? You get to go anywhere with it. Hmm. I love that we're getting to see Sarah's brain think. Can you drop into your body? Mm, I'm going to drop into my body. Um, Take a deep breath. Um, sometimes for me, it feels unique. Like I, I don't feel like everyone, which, you know, is, I guess can be good or bad depending on my level of self-confidence, I guess, at the, at the moment or in that given environment. And I guess the flip side of that could be that I feel um, maybe invisible often uh, because I can be really soft-spoken, um, especially in public places, like crowded public places. Um, uh, we were at that conference a couple weeks ago and it, there was a ton of people and you know, not only that, but coming out of COVID and just the year we had and all that. And, um, someone said, Sarah, what's it like to be a six in a crowd like this? And I said, you know, jokingly, but also kind of have serious. I, in rooms like this, I find a wall and I put my back against it and I just feel safer there to be Mm -hmm. on the outskirts, to be able to have, I don't have a bird's eye view, but I feel like I have a better scope of the room, Mm -hmm. of the people in it. I have a better, uh, I guess, just an observational standpoint. And that in large spaces creates safety for myself because I, I guess, for lack of a better word, can see what's coming. But then when I feel safe and maybe they're smaller spaces or just whatever the the specific environment might be, um, I could give two shits who's around me and I'm completely myself. I wear whatever I want. My hair looks crazy. I've got, you know, I don't have any um, cares about the people around me, um, their thoughts of me, or I guess towards me, if that makes sense. Uh, I care very much about those people around me in those very safe places. Um, But I don't think that they're judging me. I don't have any fear of um, being less than, a hundred percent myself, which is cool. And like I said earlier, that's fairly new for me, you know, in the last, you know, three or four years, maybe where I've just come into this place of, I guess, acceptance, self-acceptance of, and, and I would venture to say like, I like myself. Like, I don't think I've always Mm. been able to say that, you know, and I I Mm. think I say that often enough, but it's a good reminder. Like I do like myself and sometimes I could be crabby or frustrated or whatever you know I don't like those versions but it's part of me and they're all sourcing from something and you know yeah so that's so good okay so wait a minute take a deep breath (sighs) take away how other people see you and when you're just with yourself what does it feel like to be you I don't know what uh I may need someone else's example. No, you said it. You answered correctly. I'm not saying you did anything wrong, but I want to hear feelings of. Well, again, it depends on the environment because I, I mean, I think everyone can relate to the fact that as you add in factors, whether it's environment or people or relationships, um, a different variation of ourself shows up, right? Because we've got, protectors or you know deflectors or whatever the things like our armor 
we decide what we put on as we approach our day, you know? And so if I'm completely by myself, well, I might be having a blast and I'm just like picking up dog poop in the backyard or, you know, <laughs> like mowing the lawn or something totally by myself. That's great. And just in my own head and lost in my own thoughts. And that feels very like great, you know, just to be with myself. I love that. Me too. Thanks. What about you, Moose? What does it feel like to be me? Um, like the first layer that Sarah shared is the toughest layer. You know what I mean? Like it's like an onion, but the first layer is, um, sometimes it feels excruciating to be me. And if I'm being honest, that's not actually me at my core. That's just me presenting the way I have to present like what Sarah's mm -hmm. saying, you know, like it's, it's me in the world, if you will, like having to put on all of the roles that's excruciating. Mm -hmm. Um, but what does it feel like to be me when I can go inside into that sort of inner place? I think it feels creative and it feels liberating and um, kind of like a, like a fantasy world in some ways, like not like Harry Potter fantasy, but like, um, <laughs> like it feels like um, a place of possibility, you know, mm. like, when I'm really firing on all cylinders and I feel safe and I feel free. Like I, I, you know, Sarah and I look at each other a lot and just say like, we love our lives, you know, when you have mm -hmm. those safe moments, like, mm -hmm. and so, um, I think when I'm at my, in my truest self, like I feel free and I feel safe and I feel creative. Hmm. Man, that's really beautiful. Thank you guys for sharing that. That's awesome, producer Sarah and Moose. Thank you. How about you, Kat? Thank Kat? you. I, um, I have a hard time answering this in terms other than what I have learned um, in my uh, body-mind sessions, and that's the language that I have. And I learned that I am really good um, at two postures, and one is this where I am, I am balled up kind of almost like a fetus. Um, and I am very held and I'm very protected and I don't have to, I don't have to defend myself because someone or something is taking care of me. So that's one posture that I'm very familiar with. And another posture that I'm really familiar with is my wings outspread like a phoenix, like an eagle, and I am in charge. Like I am like the boss. I am the one who is driving the train. I am saying, okay, you do this, you do this. I'm kind of the, the general of the army. So I, I feel like I am most comfortable in those two postures, the very tucked in and held and protected and the very like kind of large and in charge. What I'm learning in my, in my body work sessions is that is that I, I am not comfortable or good at yet the in between these 
postures. And so what I've been doing physically every night before I go to bed, I go outside and I get in, in this, this tucked in posture. And then I, as slowly as I can possibly handle it, I move to the posture where I feel like I'm spreading my wings. Hmm. And I think that, that quote unquote, the work that I'm doing is that in between work. Cause yeah. I know how to do mm-hmm. this. I know how to be in charge. It, it might not yeah. mean that I do the right things, but at least I know how to be in charge, you know? And I also recognize that I very much need and know how to be very vulnerable and say, I need to be held. I need to be protected. I need to, I, I need for somebody else to be doing the thing. I can't do the thing. This mm. in between is real uncomfortable. Mm. And so um, that when I say that I like where I am, my free child, I am in this fetal position or I am in this very like, you know, wings spread. I'm a badass like that position. Like those are both my free child postures. This in between I'm working on so that I, I can be a little bit more comfortable when I don't get to always be in the the free child moment. I um, freaking love it. Yeah. I very much um resonate with the postures too. Hmm. Mine Thanks, is what my therapist calls womb to womb. That is my safe one. And it's my stomach down on a mat, on a yoga mat with the world beneath me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a connection mm-hmm. measure, but that's always sort of mine. And usually my head's tucked under, mm-hmm. but I, I get that. And I, I think sometimes it's just as hard to get in those positions as it is to get into the, let's wind it up and run the show. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one question when you're, when your arms are spread like an Eagle, can you show me that again? Mm-hmm. Are your legs also spread? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to quote producer Sarah and say it depends on the context. <laughs> Special thanks to our producer Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Yeah.